Sounders, keep your shades anchored and where they belong during life's greatest feats. Head to soundergoods.com and use promo code KTTC to get 10% off and free shipping with any order. You're listening to the Keef to the City podcast. Here's Neil Keith. All right, the wait is almost over. The wait between the regular season and the start of the postseason for the Rangers is almost here. Uh, game one on Thursday night uh, at Madison Square Garden against the Penguins. The Rangers uh, well-rested and healthy and uh, entering this postseason perfectly set up for an extended run. And joining me today to talk Rangers hockey with the playoffs set to begin is Adam Adam Herman of Blue Shirt Banter. You can uh, read him over on blueshirtbanter.com. Adam, how's it going today? I'm pretty good. How are you, Neil? I'm doing well. Uh, you know, with this President's Trophy season coming off uh, the season last year with the run to the final, the unexpected run, especially after being down to the Penguins three games to one, um, a lot of people are, are worried about the President's Trophy and view it as sort of uh, this curse and jinx because of teams in the past that haven't been able to get the job done in the playoffs. But to me, I mean, every team enters the season wanting to be the best team in the league, wanting to be first overall, have home ice throughout the playoffs, and the Rangers were able to do that. So I'm a little uh, surprised about, you know, the sort of, uh, the worrisome of Rangers fans uh, after winning the President's Trophy. I know you wrote about it recently, how it's uh, you know an achievement worth celebrating. So I guess you're on board with me and that you should be excited that the Rangers are the best team in the league. Yeah, I mean, you know, ignoring the whole curse thing, I think, you know, I think if, obviously, if the regular season didn't matter, we wouldn't watch it, we wouldn't overanalyze everything, you know. So it's kind of contradicting and hypocritical for us to, you know, watch every game so intently and, you know, go with everything like that and then say at the end of it once the Rangers you know clinch the top seed in the NHL say oh it doesn't matter who cares you know <laughs> and you know as far as the, the whole curse thing is is concerned you know the President's Trophy winner has won the Stanley Cup more than any other you know individual place in the standings uh, since uh, the trophy uh, started in the mid 80s so it, you know it, it's really strange how you know things like that kind of become uh, mainstream and such, but you know, people can think what they want. Exactly, and if you know the first place team or the, the first overall team doesn't win, and it's viewed as a letdown and a disappointment, and uh, coming off a season where they the, the the run to the cup was obviously unexpected, um, especially off the the recent years of first and second round exits with 2011 and 12 aside from the Eastern Conference Finals, but now it's sort of this mentality here in New York where you know you reach the final and you lose, and the only logical step of progression now is to get back to the final and win it, and it sort of set this up where if the Rangers don't you know, everyone. Everyone seems to be picking them to win. Everyone, uh, you know, loves them in this first round matchup. Loves them to come out of the East. Um, but now they're set up with expectations. And the scariest part about being a Rangers fan is expectations, because it seems like um, you know, over the years, or at least through our lifetime, when they've had them, they haven't really lived up to them or met them. And they've always been better when they could sort of fly under the radar and and do their work without any pressure. And now they have the most pressure they've had in 21 years. Uh, does, does that worry you that um, you know, if they don't win if they lose at any point in this postseason the season will be viewed as a disappointment yeah i mean you know obviously expectations are are uh very different for the rangers now probably uh as high as they've been since you know probably maybe 1997 maybe even 1994 um you know you know it's interesting i actually spoke to uh steve alicat yesterday uh former rangers goalie steve alicat and i asked him you know what's going to be the mentality in the room 
room for the Rangers if, like, after this, you know, great presence trophy winning season, they lose game one to the Penguins. And uh, he said everyone in that room is going to be thinking, well, we better, you know, we damn better well win game two. Otherwise, now suddenly we're the underdogs, you know. So, yeah, is it, is it a concern? I, look, I, I think uh, when you look at the Rangers locker room, um, you know, so many of the guys have been through, you know, the long playoff stretches. I mean, a lot of them were on the team last year. And then, you know, a few of the guys who weren't, like Dan Boyle, you know, uh, he, he's been through it himself, you know. So I think is it a concern a bit, sure. The expectations are higher than they've ever been. But, you know, I think the Rangers' uh, locker room is as prepared for it as any team in the NHL. When you look back to like a couple of years ago uh, when they lost to the Bruins in five games and it was just sort of like, where does this team go now? It was another year where they had trouble scoring uh, and that was once again exposed in the playoffs when they had trouble scoring. And then last year it seemed like, okay, they got by the Flyers in seven games and then that was sort of like, all right, whatever uh, from here on out is gravy. And then they end up getting to the final, which was so unexpected and such a fun run to experience. But and now it seems like you know now they've become the elite team in the league, the team to beat. Um, early in the season, when they were banged up with injuries and they were hovering around five hundred, uh, you know, for the, really until they went on that run after the first week of December, um, it sort of happened overnight for the Rangers. And most teams, you know, you view whether it's the Blackhawks or the Bruins or these other teams that have sust- sustained success over the last five or six seasons. Um, you know, they built it from within or built it through the draft with homegrown players. And the Rangers have sort of done it on the fly. And I know you watch probably as much junior hockey and uh, you know AHL hockey as anyone in the world and to see this sort of happen you know so quickly for the Rangers when there's other organizations like the Sabres and the Coyotes who have to hopefully you know hit on a bunch of draft picks and be you know five six seven years away from competing again to watch it happen with the Rangers sort of overnight I mean that that's sort of something that you don't really see too often in the NHL let alone major sports with salary caps as a whole yeah I mean well I you know I've said this a few times I've seen it around it but you know, the Rangers are kind of a unique, are in, in a unique situation in that, you know, how to build a team in the NHL, there's a pretty specific blueprint. Like you said, you got to get, you know, a few, you know, elite stars from the draft and whatever. And, you know, you got to slowly build up your team. You know, that's because 99% of the teams in the NHL don't have Henry Conquist. And really, he's, you know, he's a difference. The goaltender in hockey is very much like the quarterback, you know, in football in that, you know, they just influence so much of the game. And if you have, you know, someone like Lundqvist, who's arguably, you know, the best goaltender of the last decade, it it speeds things up very quickly. So, you know, I think when you look at the Rangers, obviously everything starts with Lundqvist. And then, you know, have the Rangers had, you know, traditional superstar draft picks? No, not really. But they found their stars in some other ways. You know, they drafted Brandon Dubinsky and Artem all. You know, and they package them plus some other things for Rick Nash, so there's one star, you know. And then, of course, you bring in someone like Mark St. Louis with Callahan and a few other drafted. So, so no, they haven't done the traditional, you know, drafting guys in the top five, you know, overall picks. But, you know, they're kind of not in a unique situation uh, to get their way here. You mentioned Lundqvist and uh, the sort of body of work he's built uh, since his rookie season in the post-lockout uh, era of 0405. And, uh, you know, he's been the, the one reason, the, the sole purpose for them uh, making the playoffs in, in recent years or ever since really, you know, last year when they started to add an offensive team around him and started to get scoring depth. And it just always pains me when Rangers fans would get on him for playoff losses or playoff failures as if it was his fault, as if, you know, he could do anything more than he already had for them. And then 
good to see him go out this year and, and Cam Talbot step in and uh, play the way he did and, and help the Rangers become the number one overall seed. Um, and then to hear these Rangers fans say that you know they'd rather see Talbot start over Lundqvist is just insane. So I can only hope that this postseason gets off on the right foot so we don't have to hear that crazy argument just to start the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I mean look. Elaine Zingo, you know, Ben Lyle, Golden coach Ben Lyle, Glenn Saber, they're not, they're all pretty smart guys. They're not gonna, you know, lose their minds if Lundquist has one or two bad games or anything like that, you know. So I, I don't think there's any, it, things would have to go really poorly for Talbot to actually enter the discussion as far as Rangers management is concerned. Now, you know, what the fans do and saying things, that's a whole other story. And, you know, I'll be surprised if we don't hear it at least once. You know, at some point this off season, but but look, you got you got as great as Talbot played, you got to respect one quiz. You know, nearly decade, uh, decades worth of a resume as opposed to Talbot's twenty or so games. You know, so so as well as Talbot played, you know, I don't think there's much debate over who uh, whom the Rangers will be riding in the playoffs. Well, after the run last year and then the, the slow start this year, I know there was key injuries early on. They were starting, you know, around 500 mark for the first um, month, month and a half plus, which is pretty typical of a Rangers season before they can uh, get some consistency right. and get underway. But are you surprised at the way the season went? I mean, to, to have the best you know, overall point total in franchise history, to be the one seed, to win the President's Trophy, to now be the team to beat in the entire league, coming off sort of an unexpected run that just sort of seemed like um, a miracle really last spring. Uh, are you surprised to see them this high? I just figured, you know, because of the length of last season, because of, uh, you know, the turnover on the team, that we'd probably see the typical Rangers 5-6-7 seed. But to, to be the one seed, to be in this position, took me by surprise. Yeah, you know, especially when you look at uh, some of the guys that were lost this offseason, like Anton Strawman and uh, Ben LaPuglia, you know, Brian Boyle, you know, those are those are some pretty big contributors uh, during the playoff run last year. Uh, Brad Richards also, of course. So am, am I surprised? Yeah, a bit. You know, I, I thought that the Rangers would be fine. I thought, you know, they were going to make the playoffs. I thought they were going to make it as a, you know, divisional seed, as like a second or third seed in the Metropolitan Division. Uh, am I surprised to see them win the division? A bit. Am I surprised to see them in number one in the NHL? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, and it's not because they didn't earn it. It's just that, uh, you know, I just thought they lost too many bodies. Um, I thought it was going to be a bit more of a struggle, a transition. Um, you know, obviously you look at someone like Kevin Hayes, uh, who, you know, who could have predicted he would have even been on the team, let alone, you know, putting up so many points like this. And then you got to look at, uh, some other guys like JT Miller and Jesper Foss who, uh, who stepped up big time. So, so yeah, uh, it's a bit surprising, but you know, I, I don't think you can say, you can say that the Rangers didn't earn their way there. Well, more so uh, than winning the division or getting home ice or winning the East or being the President's Trophy winner, the most important thing to to any team really in the playoffs is to be healthy, and the Rangers are that entering it, and they had the ability to sort of give Nash uh, the last couple games off. Stahl had some time off. They get Klein back, St. Louis back. So health-wise, it seems like they're perfectly set up here. There's not really you know any bad injuries. They're not, there's no one's going to miss the first round that's um, you know a, a key player on this team, and that's something that hasn't really always been the case for the Rangers in the playoffs. It seems like either guys were banged up at the end of the season or got banged up in the first round, and certainly you can't predict what's going to happen here starting on Thursday night. But for right now, they're, they're about as healthy as they can be and playing the best they can. And uh, one of those guys being Keith Yandel, who 
when he first came over, was a little inconsistent, and I guess that's you know the adjustment period you expect from any player um, joining a new team, especially one coming from the losing situation they are in Arizona to, to becoming a Ranger. Uh, and I know because of you being such a huge prospect guy and losing Duclair in that trade, when you look back on it now, and even though you know it's only been a couple months here, or, uh, what's your take on it now that you've seen Yandel as a Ranger, and I know how painful it was to lose Duclair in it? Yeah, I mean, obviously the the cop out answer is that we'll we'll see, you know, is that if the Rangers win the Stanley Cup, you know, with the end on the roster, then the trade was worth it, you know, like you look at 1994 and the Rangers lost some pretty big names, and you know, Tony Monte, Doug Wade, but I don't, you know, not many people are going to complain about that when the end result was the Stanley Cup. So you know, we're, we'll see how it plays out in that regard. But you know, I think the trade, you know. Ignoring the trade and just kind of looking at how Yandel has performed since coming to the Rangers, and you know, you have to say that he he's done exactly what was asked of him. Um, you know, power play could be doing a little bit better, but you know, that goes far beyond just uh, his performance. Um, I think he's doing a lot of the right things in the power play, and they're just not they're just not finishing right now, which which happens. So you know, hopefully they should be getting a bit of a boost uh, in the playoffs, but you know. He's obviously not a superb defensive defenseman, but that's not what the Rangers need from him. You know, they're going to have Ryan McDonough and Mark Stahl uh, in this first round playing the hard minutes against Crosby and Malkin. And, you know, for Yandel, it's just you need him to just do what he does, which is get some quick passes out of the defensive zone to set the Rangers up on the transition, you know, and just set up some plays in the offensive zone. And, you know, so far he's done that. I believe he has something like 10 points in 18 games. Uh, some coming to the Rangers or in, in 19 games, something like that. So, so yeah, we'll see how the trade, you know, it'll take some years to see how the trade looks in full. But so far, you have to say that Yandel's done what uh, the Rangers needed him to do. Well, for the last couple of weeks, I was uh, sort of hoping the Rangers would draw the Penguins in the first round because of the, the current state of the Penguins and the, the way they sort of have crumbled down the stretch, uh, not getting into the playoffs on the last day of the season, and I got my wish, and I know as a Yankees fan, uh, getting your wish for postseason matchups doesn't always work out the way you want it to, but um, entering the playoffs, who, who did you think would present the best matchup for the Rangers, and who did you want them to see here in the first round? Yeah, I mean, I thought that Ottawa would be the easiest matchup just because you know, they're not a bad team. There's no such thing as an easy playoff matchup, really, because uh, especially this year where basically almost every team in the playoffs is good to some degree. But, you know, I think Ottawa is just, you know, they don't really have any specific strengths beyond Eric Carlson, and I really don't think Andrew Hammond uh, will sustain this level of play. Uh, but I don't I don't think you can really complain uh, with standing Pittsburgh, uh, you know, in the first round. I think Boston would have been a lot uh harder of a test for the Rangers. You know, when you look at the Penguins, obviously they haven't been playing particularly well the last few weeks. Um, and, and the defense is really banged up right now. They're missing a few key guys. Uh, we're not going to see what's hanging at, at any point this uh, this series. And uh, Christian Erhoff, you know, we'll see when he comes back. But, you know, especially with the Rangers' speed, I think Pittsburgh is going to have a um, pretty big problem dealing with uh, – you know, the Rangers going on the transition, guys like Hagelin or Nash or Kyder. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a, a shoe-in for the Rangers by any means, but I don't think you can really complain with this matchup. Well, you talk about uh, you talking with uh, Valaket and how if the Rangers were to lose game one or, you know, uh, even the first two games, it would sort of flip-flop and they'd become the underdogs to a Penguins team that's 
been so used to being the favorite, a one seed, a two seed really for uh, quite a while now in the Crosby era. And to see this Penguins team, and you know, I thought it made the most sense for the Rangers to, to face the Penguins. I rooted for the Penguins to fall to the eighth seed. Um, and maybe that's you know not the best thing to wish for, to wish to see the best player in the world, and at times either the second or third best player in the world uh, in the first round of the playoffs. But with the current state of the Penguins, I mean, for them to be an underdog in a role they've never they've never really been um, since Crosby entered the league, and it's just it's just weird how how things flipped from where they were last year when the Penguins had a three one lead to where that franchise is now. Um, you know, for this for the state of the Penguins currently, um, outside of Crosby and Malkin, what worries you the most uh, in this matchup? Yeah, I mean, you know, honestly, not very much. You know, when you when you look at Pittsburgh, it's kind of a kind of a double-edged sword where on one hand you're saying like, oh, well, you know, all you have to do is stop Crosby and Malkin and you're going to beat the Penguins. And on, on the other hand, you're saying, well, we have to stop, you know, Sidney Crosby and Sidney Malkin. So, so I think really, obviously, Pittsburgh's not winning this series unless, unless those two guys, um, you know, bring their A games. Um, you know, again, Valakat pointed out to me that Flurry's definitely playing better hockey than he was, uh, last year, two seasons, two seasons ago. Um, but yeah, I, I think the Rangers obviously getting a bit more power play help uh, with do wonders. I think with the Rangers, the biggest thing is just not taking stupid penalties. And I know it's, it's a bit cliche, but really, like that's where Pittsburgh's going to beat you is just letting you know Crosby and Malkin and, and Chris Kunitz and uh, David Perron just kind of tee off because you know the Rangers are very good in the defensive end at not giving guys space. Um, at 5v5, but, you know, obviously with a man in the penalty box, it's a big difference. So, you know, penalties are going to happen. You can't avoid it, but, you know, you just want to make sure that you're picking your spots. You're not taking dumb penalties after whistles or, you know, doing things in the offensive zone you shouldn't be doing. So I think if this game stays five, if the series stays mostly 5v5, uh, the Rangers, and you turn it essentially into a one close versus flurry matchup, I think the Rangers should have the upper hand. I know, uh, you know, from Twitter, you mention all the time about how the Rangers, uh, especially when they play the Capitals, you know, if you could just take away Ovechkin on the power play and, and, and make the focus become Ribeiro and Backstrub, uh, you'll be much more successful. And obviously, great players are going to find ways to get open to get things done, and you have to expect Ovechkin to beat you once in a while, but it seems like he beats the Rangers at least once or twice every time they play, and that sort of translates over to the Penguins, because like you said, if you stay out of the box, if you you know keep Crosby and keep Malkin off the ice with the man advantage, it's going to be a lot harder for the Penguins to win, and uh, I feel like you know with, with the Rangers' penalty kill, it just... It just bothers me and frustrates me that sometimes you know the the focus or the lack of focus in in one or two seconds can be the turning point in the game and result in a goal. And it just seems like that needs to be the number one focal point for this team in this series. Yeah, I mean, and you know, you look at the Penguins. You know, obviously guys like Crosby and Malkin are you know just about as good as Ovechkin, but their offense is so much more balanced. You know, it, with with Washington, if you negate Ovechkin, you're taking away a lot of their goal scoring ability. Uh, you know, with Pittsburgh, I don't think it's that simple, you know, because if it's, again, if it's 4v5, somebody, you're leaving somebody open to some degree, you know, there's no avoiding that. So it's kind of just, uh, picking lesser of evils. And, uh, you know, with Pittsburgh, there aren't many, you know, because it's, again, it's either going to be a, one of Crosby or Malkin or David Perron, you know, Kunitz. Uh, so, so yeah, the Rangers got to be careful in that regard because, um, I think that's really where Pittsburgh can, can kill them is if uh, 
if the Rangers give them that kind of opportunity where they're going to give one of their very, you know, creative players some open space. Uh, so yeah, again, just the Rangers can keep the series five v five. You know, I think they're going to be in good hands. Well, the playoffs are uh, supposed to be fun. They're supposed to be enjoyable. And as a Rangers fan, they they've really been that for uh, you know most of the years because they've never been the team to beat. They've never been the hunted. Um, and now that changes this year, where uh, you know each win or each game is going to be you know dissected and analyzed, especially if they don't win, and it's become sort of like a business mission rather than just uh, hey, let's see where we can take this thing, and uh, you know hopefully we can uh, keep winning series and keep extending the season. Do you get that feeling like entering this playoffs on Thursday night that you know it's not going to be as fun it has has been, and especially last year how fun it was to watch this team in the playoffs, and that you know it's more of a, a business and a serious mentality and. You you know, you're going to intent watch these games more intently with the purpose of winning. Uh, yeah, I think a bit. You know, obviously, again, like if you're not enjoying the playoffs, then you know why are you even even watching? Why are you a fan of hockey or sports in general? So you know, to some degree, you just kind of have to remove yourself from kind of all of the analyzing and that kind of thing, and just enjoy the run and enjoy what you're watching. But yeah, of course, obviously, you know, last year was kind of just like the Rangers. You know, obviously, they, again, they earned their way to the Cup Finals, but it was the kind of thing where, like, we were happy to just enjoy the ride. You know, and this season, it's gonna, it's kind of a bit more of an expectation um, that they're going to, you know, I think, I don't think anyone's going to be, you know, happy with anything less than at least a conference final appearance. So, so yeah, uh, you know, again, it, will it be fun if they sweep the Penguins? I don't think people are going to, you know, have have trouble finding enjoyment out of like a quick series against Pittsburgh or anything like that. But, but yeah, I think it's safe to say that uh, people are going to be looking with a bit more foresight than uh, kind of just, uh, you know, one game or one series. Well, uh, with Elaine Vigneault, I mean, he was, you know, let go in Vancouver. He, he was in this spot a bunch of times uh, as the best team in the league, the team that people thought would win the cup. He came within one win of it in 2010-11, wasn't able to get it done. He comes here, takes over for Tortorella, brings the team to the final his first season, now a President's Trophy winner in his second season, and he seems to be you know, the toast of the town. Everyone loves AV, uh, but you see things like in Boston and uh, you know other situations around the league where things can change quickly. So it seems like you know this window they have right here for the next two, three years, maybe even four, um, it seems like if he doesn't get the job done here, uh, you know the, these uh, chirps from Vancouver fans and other fans around the league who who like to let Rangers fans know that you know it's uh, another typical AV season where there's a President's Trophy winner and and might not get the job done. How how much you know leeway do you think he gets? Uh, you know if for some reason this team doesn't isn't able to win the cup in the near future. Yeah, I mean you know it, it depends how how you know those kinds of things play out. You know. Uh, when you look at uh, when you look at when Vancouver lost in, in Game Seven to Boston, you know the 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 reality about sports that some people don't like to acknowledge is that sometimes there's just luck and, and just random chance involved. And you know if you replay that game a hundred times, you know Boston maybe wins it fifty one and Vancouver wins it forty nine. So so will people start getting on Vigneault's case? You know if the Rangers have a second round exit this year, yeah, probably. Uh, people will get on this case because, uh, you know, that's just kind of the nature of, of sports and especially in New York. Um, you know, when you look at Glenn Stager and the Rangers, I, I think that the Rangers uh, know better than to get uh, caught up in those kinds of things. Um, you know, especially when you look at the kind of leash that, uh, you know, some of the guys got, you know, Tom Rennie got 
or, you know, some of the coaches even before him when the Rangers weren't going anywhere. You know, I, I think things would have to go seriously, seriously wrong for Elena uh, Mignot to be on the hot seat within the next two years, even three years. Well, at their best against any team's best, uh, the Rangers prove that they're you know the number one team in the league uh, at full strength, playing their best hockey. They can't be beat, and it just seems like you know it's weird to have everyone picking them, everyone backing them because that's really never been the case for the Rangers in such a long time. Uh, what worries you the most about this team, or what you know flaw or hole are you scared might be exposed in the playoffs? Yeah, I, I think you have to be concerned. Uh, I think you have to be very concerned with the fourth line and. Uh, you know, you look at last season, people say, oh, it's just the fourth line. You know, you look at look at last year, you know, Dan Carcillo scoring in Game 7 in the first round, and then it was uh, Brian Boyle doing it, fourth line combined for a goal against pitchers in Game 7, and then it was uh, the fourth line with Dominic Moore scoring in Game 6 against uh, uh, Montreal. So, you know, especially in the playoffs, everything gets magnified. Um, you know, the divide between, between teams and kind of like what makes the difference is, is very minimal. So you look at the fourth line this year and, you know, I don't think anyone can say that it's been, it's been good. So, uh, especially if it gets to those, you know, third period games where it's a close score or, you know, even overtime, it's going to be a question of can Vigneault roll them out, uh, like a regular line or is he going to be sheltering their minutes and that's going to be mean, you know, playing other guys into the ground. So I think the fourth line has to be one concern. And I think the other concern has to be, you know, if uh, Dan Girardi and Ryan McDonough um, are going to play at their best. Because we saw in the Los Angeles series, you know, Girardi in particular, you know, was playing some subpar hockey, and now they don't have Anton Strawman to cover for him. So the Rangers aren't going to win the Stanley Cup unless McDonough and Girardi can be rely on to shut down the opposition's top players. Uh, especially a team like Pittsburgh. So, so I think, you know, obviously every team has some sort of question mark. Uh, I don't mean it to say that I doubt the Rangers, but, you know, those are things that have to be watched for going forward. I know there's predictions out there of uh, Rangers sweep, Rangers in five. I, I have the Rangers in six only because uh, they just seem to always play long series. They never want to get things over as quickly as possible. How do you see this first round against the Penguins playing out? Yeah, I... <laughs> I hate making predictions like this just because, first of all, you know, obviously my own biases are involved. And second of all, you know, I'll never hear the end of it if I'm wrong. <laughs> but if I were to pick, if, if I were to, I picked Los Angeles in seven last year and I, I got so many people in my ear about it. But, uh, no, I think the Rangers will, will pull it out. Um, I'll go, I'll go with five games. I like um, that. I'll, I'll go with five games for the Rangers. I think they're going to win both at home. Uh, Pittsburgh will win one. At uh, in Pittsburgh, and I think Longquist will steal one in Pittsburgh for the Rangers. So I'll I'll go with the Rangers in five, but we'll see. I'll sign up for that, and uh, thanks for giving me your time today, Adam. And you know, hopefully, we do uh, we do get this thing over with in five. There's another series to talk about, and we'll talk again during the playoffs. And hopefully, it's another extended run that takes us uh, right up until about summer starts. Absolutely. All right. Thanks again. Yeah, you got it.